What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me, as always, today is my man, Curtis. I'm actually on vacation right now, so if I suck on the show today, which is always a very real possibility, even in the best of circumstances, please dig deep and uh, try to, I guess, find it within yourself to forgive me. Uh, But regardless of vacation or not, we just didn't want to leave you guys hanging, and we always want to make sure our listeners are taken care of, so we figured that something was probably better than nothing today. And uh, on today's show, we're going to continue with the next installment of our Summer Scouting the Enemy series, this time featuring the Florida Gators as we roll through the 2017 schedule. We're getting close to the end here. Uh, And the general consensus, of course, if you guys have been paying attention, which I know you have, uh, is that Florida is likely our primary competition for the SEC East title for the coming season. So we're going to give you everything you need to know about the Gators heading into this 2017 season and also, of course, discuss how we look to match up with them at this point uh, in the coming year. But first, just a quick reminder, if you are new to the show, that you can follow us and, and interact with us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can email us at podcast at gmail.com. And uh, now you can check us out on our Glory UGA podcast Facebook page. We always welcome any and all interactions, and uh, we really do, guys. We love to get your feedback on the show and your thoughts on any of the topics we discuss, so don't be a stranger. Uh, And Obviously, you are listening to us on some sort of podcasting platform or another, but just a heads up, again, if you're new to the show, that uh, just to make it a little easier for you guys to access the show on your preferred platform, our our podcast can be found on most of the major podcasting platforms out there, including uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, the Stitcher and TuneIn apps, and of course, Dog Sports Radio, where we all got started a couple years back. So uh, subscribe to, review, and share the show on any of those platforms. That would be awesome. We would greatly appreciate it. Oh, and also, before I forget, I do also want to make sure you guys know that it is almost end of the month. So on this show, you know that that means it is time for the listener mailbag shows that we do at the end of each and every month so next week we will be recording our listener mailbag show or shows depending on how many questions we get so feel free to send in any and all questions you have about the coming season as we are getting closer and closer and closer you can uh, hit us up again at twitter on twitter at glory underscore uga send your questions to uh, us via email glory uga podcast at gmail.com you can also send us those questions on our Facebook page, the Glory UGA Podcast Facebook page. So send us any and all questions you have. We will make sure to answer all of them that we get on next week's show. All right, the Florida Gators, Curtis. Uh, like I said, the preseason opinion seems to be split between us and Florida as uh, the favorite in the East. Is that fair to say? Yeah. At this point. And then at SEC Media Days, we ended up being the media's pick to win the East, but it was by no means a runaway like it was for Tennessee last year. In fact... We only edged Florida out. I think it was uh, in total. You count up all the total points. I think we had 1,572 points there, like 15, 26, something like that. So it was close. Uh, so clearly, uh, after they've represented the East the past two seasons in Atlanta in the title game, there's still a significant number of people out there pegging Florida as the team to beat in the SEC East. And I get that to a degree. I do. I'm not going to completely denigrate someone for saying Florida should be the favorite. I get where they're coming from. Uh, And when you listen to the conversation, though, most of the optimism surrounding Florida centers, at least from what I've been able to ascertain, centers on two things. Number one, a belief that their defense will continue to produce at an elite level. And then number two, the thought that Malik Zaire, transfer from Notre Dame at quarterback, will change the dynamic of what has been a, let's just be real, a putrid offense for what seems like, I don't know, five plus years at this point. 
So, Kurt, let's start with the defense, and we'll open this with a, a very broad-based question here. Just simply, do you think in 2017 this Florida defense can maintain the level of play that they've been accustomed to over the course of the past several years? So that seems to be the general consensus among the national media out there. Are you on board with that? I am. That mm-hmm. I, I don't think they can. You don't think they can? No. Okay, why not? Because most, I mean, most people out there seem to think it's just a, it's a foregone conclusion that Florida plays good defense, and that means they're going to play good defense again in 2017. So why aren't you on board the with big, that? Biggest thing is, you know, they're having to replace eight starters, and at that time, you know, before they were, you know, replacing a lot of Muschamp guys who have been recruiting really well on the defense side of the ball. Well, that's not the case. Now you're having to see these young guys come in where um, that are inexperienced. I, yeah, McElwain hasn't recruited as a high. A high level as Muschamp was, so you're seeing guys come in that aren't, you know, as highly rated players that aren't good. Absolutely. I mean, say what you want about Will Muschamp as a coach, getting his team to perform on the field, having it translate from the recruiting board onto the field of play. I mean, obviously, he didn't get the job done there, but the guy recruited at an elite level. And here's what people. They, this is what is driving me crazy about all the Florida talk. I understand where people are coming from, and, and I do project Florida to be a very good team this year, and I do think they are our, our primary competition. I, don't, I really don't think there's much of a difference between us and Florida coming into the season. I, I do think it could go either way. I would give us the edge. We'll talk about that later as the uh, as the season gets closer and closer. But I don't think it, there's too much difference between the two teams. I don't think we're head and shoulders above them. I don't think they're head and shoulders above us. But the difference is – they have they were recruiting really well under Muschamp. Well, all those players were there at the beginning of Jim McElwain's tenure, right? Like you just mentioned. Well, the vast majority of those guys, those elite prospects, particularly on the defensive side of the football, that Will Muschamp recruited, those guys are largely gone. They are done with. And as you mentioned, Jim McElwain has not kept the coffers full. He has not recruited at anywhere near the level that Will Muschamp did. In fact, it's there's been a dramatic drop off from the level of recruitment uh, compared from Will Muschamp to Jim McElwain. And just to give you guys some numbers here, just to put this into perspective, I went back and looked at the last three years of recruiting. So 2015, 2016, 2017. Those are the three recruiting classes that Jim McElwain has had a hand in pulling into Florida. Um, And if you look at those recruiting classes, and I'm looking at just defensive players alone, because that's where the conversation is right now. Is this Florida defense going to continue to, to perform at an elite level despite losing eight starters and most of those guys, elite players going to the NFL, guys like Caleb Brantley, uh, guys like Jalen Tabor, Quincy Wilson, Marcus May, those types of players. Are they going to be able to just replace those guys? Are they, are they at Alabama's level where they just plug and play? I'm not sure they are, because if you look at this, the last three years since McElwain's been there, Florida's average defensive recruit that they have signed averages out to number 421 in the nation according to the 247 composite. That's their average defensive signee over the past three years under Jim McElwain's watch. That is abysmal. Guys, that's not even included. I think it was like five or six defensive prospects that that they signed that weren't even rated. And when they're not rated, that means they're not good enough to be rated. They're at like the top thousand. So really, it's probably, it's definitely even worse than that. But among the guys that are actually rated, their average defensive recruit over the past three years, 2015, 2016, 2017, averaged out to 421 nationally. They've signed zero five-stars, zero five-stars, and ten four-stars over the past three recruiting cycles. 
not good. Just not nearly close to the level that Muschamp had them at, and not close to the level where you can just expect them to lose eight stars and plug new guys in right away and still perform at that same elite level without losing anything. You, they just haven't recruited that well, guys. They haven't. And just to give you a comparison, in the same three years, 2015, 16, 17, the average defensive signing that we've signed over those same three years rates out to an average of 283 nationally. We've signed two five-stars and 21 four-stars over that same time span. And oh, by the way, we actually returned 10 stars on defense this year. We're just adding in quality depth behind those guys, which is really what we haven't had in a long time. So this idea, this notion that Florida is just going to continue to roll along defensively because they play good defense the past four or five years, I just don't buy it at all. They don't. They just don't have the players in the system they had previously under Will Muschamp and Malcolm Wayne's first couple years. So I, I think you're spot on there, bringing that in as uh, the first point here. Okay, so you and I are both on board here saying that there's going to be a drop-off defensively. How much of a drop-off are you seeing here? I think it's going to be enough to where they aren't dominant like they have been. Um, that's the thing. I mean, um, especially when I get to the part where I, where I think you're going to see the biggest uh, difference, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing that hurts them. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, I, this team is not going to, this defense is not going to fall off the face of the earth. That's not what I'm trying to suggest. They're not going to go from being a top 10 defense nationally to being no, a top be, 100. They'll still be like, I'd say top 50, but yeah. they're not going to be dominating. Exactly. And, and that's that's the thing here. They've been, they, the reason they've won the SEC East two years in a row, tell me if you disagree with me, is because of this defense, right? Yeah. If they would have just, just had a top 50 or even a, a top 30 defense the past two years, do they still win the SEC East? Probably not. So a good defense is probably what they'll have. They'll still have a good defense. They still have solid guys. There's a few guys. Uh, Jabari Zanaga is a good player. C.C. Jefferson, of course, is the top-rated recruit they've had in the past three years. Uh, so they have some pieces there. But So they should be good. Like, But like you said, you said it perfectly, they're not going to be dominant. And without a dominant defense, is this team good enough to get to Atlanta for the third year in a row? And I just think the answer right now, until we see their offense do on the field, I think the answer is probably no. At least that's what I'm going with right now. All right, so we think there's going to be a drop-off. Where do you see the most significant drop-off being, particularly for this defense? Um, to me, I think I'm going to see it on the uh, in the defensive backfield, and that's actually where they've been most dominant. Yeah. yeah, they've had some you know pass rushers and linebackers and things, but the biggest thing is they get a lot of coverage sacks because they've had great defensive backs. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, looking at the passing stats here, so – Opponents' yards per pass last year, they were uh, sixth in the nation. Opponent completion percentage, they were number two in the nation. Uh, opponent passing yards per game, they were number two in the nation. So uh, an opponent's interception thrown percentage, they were number six in the nation. So this, you're right, this was a dominant pass defense. And that also leads to a lot of the pressure they got up front. When they had some good guys up front, they did. But you're right, a lot of that comes from cover sacks where the quarterbacks just simply had nowhere to go when you've got guys like Jalen Tabor, you've got guys like Quincy Wilson, Marcus May, you've got all those guys back there from a defense, from a, from a defensive backfield standpoint, that are no longer going to be with this team. Now, yes, they have guys like Duke Dawson and Chauncey Gardner who played some for them last year. Duke Dawson was primarily their, their nickel back. But is he ready to go out there and take over a role and, and perform at the same level as a Quincy Wilson and a Jalen Tabor? Are you seeing that? My thing is, if he was, he would have been playing last year. Exactly. Before. He would have not been in the slot almost exclusively last year. So they're going to push him out there and see what happens. And Chauncey Gardner's a good player, too. Uh, he's another guy that – he's another one of the top – those four-star recruits, a few of the four. They've only got, what, ten of the past three years. He's one of those ten. A uh, pretty good player. Um, but those guys are good, but they're not Jalen Tabor. They're not Quincy Wilson. They're not Marcus May. And 
and then when they you also have to factor in when they slide into those guys' roles, those departing players' roles, who who jumps in in their place? You're looking at guys who are rated in the 600s, the 700s in the 247 composite and jump in and try to take those nickelback spots and, and to provide depth. So if they go down with an injury, uh, I don't know, man. It's going to be scary. So I think you're right there. Another area I, I, I'm looking at here that might see a drop-off is up the middle. I think they're good on the defensive, on the edges of the defensive line. Jabari Zanaga is a good player. Polite's a good player. He goes out there and plays a five technique in certain situations. C.C. Jefferson's a good guy off the edge. Very quick, explosive. Um, so they have some pass-rushing threats there, some explosive athletic guys on the edges. But up the middle, when you lose a guy like Caleb Brantley, when you lose both of your starting linebackers and Jared Davis and Alex Anzalone, yes, I know that those guys were banged up at points last year, but they both played at least three-fourths of the season. When you hear the talk about uh, like David Reese, Kylan Johnson, the guys going to be playing linebacker for him this year, the talk is, well, they got a lot of experience last year because the starters were hurt all year. No, they weren't hurt all year. They were hurt some, but they played nine and eight games respectively. That's essentially three-fourths of the season. So, yes, there was some experience by David Reese and Kylan Johnson and Voshan Joseph, those guys. But when they, when, I'll be real. When those guys got into play, they were underwhelming, to say the least. I mean, David Reese, he's going to play the Mike linebacker position for him in the interior. The guy is slow as molasses, man. He doesn't have great instincts. Kylan Johnson's a former safety. They moved down um, to the linebacker position, so he's still kind of working on those linebacker instincts. I think up the middle, they're going to see a drop of that. I like what they have on the edges. I think those guys are solid. But I just don't know if they've recruited the players up the middle of that defense to continue to perform at a dominant level. And if you couple that with the losses in the the defensive backfield like you just accounted for, I I just don't see this defense being nearly as good as they have been in recent years. And when this is is a team that's relied on elite defensive play to win football games, I think that might spell a little bit of trouble for them. Uh, all right, so let's talk about specific players. We mentioned a couple guys. Who are some of the, the better players that remain on this floor defense that we should be watching out for? Um, I think first off, you got to go with C.C. Jefferson. That's really a no-brainer. Yeah, and, and he's when you watch him play, going back and preparing for the show, you know, watching three or four of their games from last year over the past couple of weeks, C.C. Jefferson is the guy that flashes at you. I mean, him and Caleb Brantley, really. Caleb Brantley was just a beast on the interior. I don't think he got enough love. I mean, I hate Florida. I hate Caleb Brantley. But the guy was just a monster on the interior. Uh, but uh, he's gone. But C.C. Jefferson was the other guy that really flashed me on that defense. But when you go back at the numbers, I was somewhat surprised to see that he only had one and a half sacks on the year. Now, he had quite a few tackles for loss. And his game is like Brantley. Him and Brantley were similar. That their game is all about penetrating the backfield, using their quickness. Because they're both undersized. But use your quickness, penetrate in the backfield, make tackles for loss, disrupt the quarterback, those types of things. But he didn't have a ton of sack numbers last year. I, I look for that to go up this year, right? And most most oh, likely. I mean, it has to more or less. If, they, if it does, then this team won't even be a good defense. They're gonna. He has to produce more. Now, uh, on the other side, Jabari Zanaga was a freshman last year. He's a guy that had, he had five sacks last year. So he's he might be their top pass rushing threat returning this year. Him and, him and uh, Jefferson should probably team up for a pretty dynamic duo rushing the passer. Uh, I think you're right mentioning him. Uh, and really outside those two, I mean, is there anybody that you're like, hmm, this guy could be a really good player for them? Really. I mean, I think they're going to have some solid guys. I, I I really am not high on any of their linebackers right now. I have to see a lot of development from them before I sit, start throwing out praise their way. Chauncey Gardner is a pretty good DB. He's not the level of a Tabor or Wilson, but he's solid. Dawson, solid-ish back there. Remains to be seen exactly where he'll land up. Probably at one of those outside cornerback positions. We'll see. But I think those two edge rushers are probably the two guys to watch out for coming into this season. All right, and now let's bring us into the equation here. So talk, we've talked about this defense. Break it down a little bit here. How do we match up offensively with this defense? I know, obviously, there's 
it's hard to tell. We haven't seen either team on the field. But based on what we know at this point, how do you think we look to match up offensively with this Florida defense? I have to say, I think we look match up better than we have in the past because they're not as stout up front as they have been. Yeah, I, I want to believe that, man. I really do. Do you have any faith that even if they do take a step back defensively, are we going to be able to move the ball on them? Because la- the past two years combined, we've averaged 193 yards a game and only 6.5 points over these last two games against Florida. Is that going to improve this year? I do see it improving. I think the biggest thing is all around, they're just taking step backs all around, which I think is going to play up to us. I mean, the defensive backfield, I mean, our, our receivers aren't the most athletic. They aren't the fastest. So I think that really helps them with the fact that these guys aren't going to be as good. Um, yeah. The linebacker core, they don't you know fly to the ball as well as they had. They do not move. I mean, well, David Reese does not move as well as side on side. And Kylan Johns is a pretty quick guy, but he's also undersized. So it's, you know, you got one guy that, that can maybe handle the business between the tackles, one guy that flies side on side, but neither of the guys can do both. At this point, I haven't seen it from them. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think you hit again, going back to the DBs. One of the reasons they've been so successful in stopping us the past couple of years, and, go, and look at these numbers, guys. The past three years in their three-game winning streak against their current three-game winning streak against us, we're averaging uh, 78 rushing yards a game. And going back and watching these games, at least last year, uh, the past couple of weeks, the primary reason they were able to slow down our running game is they were able to man up on our receivers with Tabor and Wilson and, and go with a single high safety look and get another, and bring roll another safety into the box like almost every team did against us and completely stifled our running game. We had 21 yards rushing last year, and that's what they did. They just manned up on our receivers. We weren't good enough to be in. Their, their corners were too good in man coverage. Our receivers weren't good enough, so we couldn't throw them out of those looks, and so they were able just to sit in the box all day with eight-man looks and just eat our running game up with a, with a porous offensive line. So I don't. I, I'm with you. Like, do you think their DBs are good enough to match up with our receivers consistently down and down out in man coverage with just one safety over the top? No, not at all. I I don't. I think there's a chance that we might actually be able to win some of those battles this year. And I know our receiver core is still unproven at this point, but I'm really high on what I've seen from this re- receiving group. I think Javon Wims and Riley Ridley are both ready to break out and have really good years. Terry Godwin I think is finally going to show some signs of being the receiver, the player we thought he was going to be, signing him out of high school. I really like uh, Miko. Might take some time to get used to the system, but Curry came out and said he's full time receiver. I like the the electricity he brings to the table. We didn't have that last year outside of Isaiah McKenzie. And you factor in Jeremiah Holloman, who I'm every day I'm growing more and more convinced that Jeremiah Holloman is going to be an absolute monster for us. Uh, just the body where it already is, just developed to the point is the speed, the size, the strength, the strong hands he has. I'm really excited about him. So I think we have some guys that haven't proven themselves. Make sure we say that. But I think they will prove themselves, and I think we'll be we'll be able to hold our own against those four DBs this year if they try that same strategy, which they probably will to open the game. I mean, I would too at this point. Make our receivers show that they can beat you, and our quarterback can complete passes. But if we, I do think we have the capability to throw them out of those looks this year, especially coupled with what I'm looking to be a solid progression from Eason in year two. If we're able to do that and force them to go to more uh, two high safety looks, open up the box a little bit, even if our offensive line is just moderately improved, we should be able to run the football and change the tables on this team a little bit. So, yeah, I think we match up fairly well with this team. And, if you know, we still have this, I, what I believe to be, I, we'll see this as the season progresses. I know we're going to change up some things. The offense run a little bit more of the RPO looks, although we did run some, run those to a degree last year, just not extensively. But this is all going to be a running football team, right? We're gonna, that's going to be our identity, a pound the ball between the tackles. And I think we're going to be able to do that. I think they're going to be weak up the middle. I think we're going to be able to handle our business there. And I think our receivers are going to be good enough to win enough battles on the outside against those four DBs if they try to go to heavy man coverage looks like they have in the past couple of years. Uh, all right. 
let's, uh, I, I do want to mention this real quick too. I, I mentioned this on the last show. I just want to throw it back out there for those of you who might have missed the our, our previous show talking about SEC media days. Florida's defense was better than our defense last year. Yes, it was. But if you look at what they have returning, we're talking, Curtis mentioned they're losing eight stars. Just to put, put this in a little more perspective for you in case you missed the, our last show. Uh, Florida had 31 sacks on the year last year. But they're only returning 16 and a half of those sacks. So about half those sacks are leaving. We had 29 sacks on the year on the year last year. We have 23 of those 29 sacks returning this year. Look at tackles for loss. Uh, Florida had uh, we were really young up front. We had 48, ta- but we still have 48 tackles for loss returning among our front seven. Whereas Florida only has 38 tackles for loss returning among their front seven out of 80 total tackles for loss. So half their tackles for loss are gone. A lot of those are Caleb Brantley. So they're losing a lot of guys and a lot of production off of this unit. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think they're going to be good. Like I said, I just don't think they're going to be dominant like they have been in the past. I just, I'm not seeing it. Uh, all right. So let's flip the ball. Uh, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball here and look at the Florida offense. And let's start with the quarterback situation. This is where you have to start talking about Florida because they had a, a big time transfer, or at least a high profile transfer and Malik Zaire coming from Notre Dame. So Kurt, with Malik Zaire, Felipe Franks looked to be the odds-on favorite before the transfer of Zaire to Florida. You still have Luke Del Rio, who started most of the year last year before getting injured. But he had, so I think he had uh, surgery on both shoulders. You have Kyle Trask, who was a project that they brought in. They got a lot of reps during the spring as well. How would you handicap their quarterback battle right now? I think he's desperate for some type of good quarterback play because, you know, but at the same time, the problem with, I think, it's going to hurt him is the fact that if he goes with Zaire, the fact that of him developing quarterbacks, that narrative doesn't change. In what way? Um, you know, I mean, he's, he was hired to, you know, fix the offense and right. everything. He was, And yeah. he has yet to do that. Yeah, they go from a defensive-minded guy in Muschamp that, yeah, after other than one good year where they get to the Sugar Bowl, which we should have gone to the Sugar Bowl, but regardless, whatever, he got screwed by going to the SEC title game there. Um, but he had a, a lackluster tenure there, and so they go, and their offense didn't perform up to standards, so they decided to go the offensive route, bring in Jim McElwain. He was supposed to fix the, fix the offense. While they've gone to the SEC title game in the first, his first two years, their offense, this is why their fans are still not super thrilled with them, even though they've gone to the SEC title game the past two years, because their offense still looks anemic like it had for so many years under Will Muschamp. And you're right. I think he is desperate to get something fixed here. Do you think Zaire is that guy that can fix their offense at all? Do you have, does he have an opportunity to do that? I think he's got the opportunity to do it, but I don't know if he's the answer. I mean, he couldn't even get you know keep the job at Notre Dame or yeah, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It's it's an interesting thought for me because traditionally McElwain has not really had a dual threat guy, which is what Malik Zaire is, and it doesn't mean that he can't put in some packages and rework the offense to fit Zaire. But you have a short time frame in which to do that. Uh, you're only basically going to have fall camp to if, – if he is going to be the guy and you're going to completely change the offense to fit him, you have basically fall practice to do that, which can be done. But I don't know if things are going to be working on all cylinders early in the season if that's the case. Or do you basically go with your same base offense and just work in a few wrinkles that fit his skill set? You, you can throw in his own read, which is not too complicated. You can, you can implement some RPOs, which is not too complicated to kind of fit his skill set a little bit. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you – if you had to pick right now, is Zaire going to be the guy to open the season for them? I think he will because I think he's just going to try to make something happen, especially when it comes to playing Michigan in the first game. I mean, yeah, I. So you think that? But do you personally think they'd be better off with Zaire than going with Felipe Franks to open the season? I don't 
think so. I think Franks will have a better understanding of the offense while at the same time also truly um, I think he brings more of the passing game even yeah. from what we've seen. I mean the, the like you said we still don't know. I mean we don't I know. Hard, I still I still think it's hard to count out uh, Del Rio right now. Sure. Del Rio is exactly what he wants. Yeah, he's a game manager. He's 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 Greg McElroy. And he won. And he won a he won a national championship with Greg McElroy's offensive coordinator at Alabama. I mean, that's Luke Del Rio is a carbon copy of Greg McElroy. Not a super strong arm, smart guy, knows where to go to the ball. You can trust him. That's who he is. Now he maybe he's tempted by the talent of the Felipe Franks, the potential of the Felipe Franks, and the dual threat ability of Malik Zaire to kickstart an offense that has been anemic. And you know he's been hearing it all offseason. They need to kickstart this offense, and maybe he doesn't see that happening with Del Rio. And he wants to go. He wants to take a chance with somebody who can make something happen. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Don't count out Del Rio. I think people are just completely throwing him in the trash. Uh, and maybe that's the case, but I don't think he's going to go down without a fight. I, I don't know, man. This is a tough one for me. The general consensus seems to be that Zaire is going to be the guy. You don't bring in a guy as a graduate transfer unless he's going to start, right? That's what most people think. And he's got experience at Notre Dame. Felipe Franks has never started a game, never really played a game at Florida or in the, in the college level at all. But here's the thing I think people forget with Zaire. Yes, his his name has been around for a couple years, right? So people yeah. think that Zaire is this really experienced quarterback, and that's just not the case at all. He's never thrown more than 40 passes in a year. Never thrown more than 40 passes. He's in those three years, and he, he has played some in three years, but again, never thrown more than 40 passes in a year. That's not that much experience. He's a career 59% completion percentage guy. He's got, uh, da, 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 let's see, 98 total passes in his career. To give you some context there, Jacob Eason, through game four last year, through the fourth game of the year in his freshman season, had thrown 123 passes. So by the fourth game of his career as a true freshman, Jacob Eason was already more experienced than Malik Zaire is at this point in his career as uh, a redshirt junior is what he is. Uh, and he's never rushed for more than 187 yards in the game. Now, he does have the dual threat ability. If you watch him play, he does have that ability. But it's not like he's gotten extensive playing time and that he's put up a lot of production in his career. He hasn't. He's, his name has just been around. He's been in the conversation with some of those recruiting battles. And he looked like he was going to be the guy before an injury and then just kind of derailed his career at Notre Dame. So this idea that he's going to come in and he's the answer because he's more experienced than Felipe Franks, I don't know if I buy that. Okay, yeah, I guess he's more experienced than Felipe Franks because Felipe Franks has never played. But the guy, again, has 98 total passes in his career. That's not that much more experience, right? I mean, it's just not. So I don't know. I, I don't know if he, if he comes in and wins the job because he's the he gives him the best chance to win in the coach's minds, and that's one thing. But just starting him because he's the one with the most experience, I, that that's just I don't see that at all. Um, and maybe he gives him the best chance to win. Maybe it's what Malcolm Wayne's looking for to kind of spice up the offense and bring another dimension. But that situation I still think is far from settled. I know some people are just chalking it up to 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 be Zaire's job right now. Maybe it will be, but I think um, some of those other quarterbacks are going to have something to say about that. But regardless of who wins the job, whoever wins that job, Kurt, what type of play do you expect from the quarterback position? Are they all of a sudden going to have uh, a league quarterback play in 2017? I still expect it to be a game manager type system. Even if it is Zaire, who's got a dual threat ability? Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, because I don't think Zaire is that great. You're right. He he got beat out at Notre Dame. He won the job at one point, then, or beat out Everett Golson. But then he gets hurt in the same situation. Uh, but this time he's... Not the beneficiary of it. He's the one who gets hurt by it. Deshaun Kaiser comes in, takes over for him, does well, and then he get, when he gets healthy, he loses the battle coming into last season to Deshaun Kaiser. So it's not like he's he's a world-beating quarterback. 
And I would say, would you agree that Felipe Franks probably has higher long-term potential? Yeah. And that's the question McIlwain has to answer. Do you go for the guy that gives you... Maybe, maybe Zaire gives you a slightly better chance to win this year. But do you put him in there and sacrifice the future? Because if you get uh, Franks in there, maybe he's not that far off from Zaire. Maybe a little bit of a drop-off. But you prepare yourself for the future. You set yourself up for the future going forward. And that's a question he has to answer. But I'm with you regardless of who it is. I, I don't think they're going to have great quarterback play. I think they'll have decent quarterback play at best. Does that sound about fair? Yeah. And I that's that's about what I see right now. Even if it is Zaire, I know he has a dual threat ability, but he has not shown me the ability to be a game changer at the quarterback position. He just hasn't shown it yet. All right. And this is a question I, that I'm curious to hear your answer on because I don't know if they have one. The What is the offensive identity of this team? I, it's hard to say, I know, without knowing who's going to play quarterback. But this is one of the issues for this team the past couple years. They haven't really had an offensive identity. Is that going to continue this year, or are they going to try to kind of move in I one direction? I think their offensive identity is very similar to what we want to do. They're going to try to pound it and then go deep. Yeah, that's what McIlwain did traditionally, like going back to his days at Alabama. Was that, but was that more of a function of what Nick Saban wanted him to do, or is that McIlwain's core philosophy? I think it has to do something with what he knows. I mean – Fact of the matter is, yeah, he had a little bit better offense at Colorado State, but the, the talent wasn't as high either. It's true. He does, since he's left Alabama, I will say this, they, he does like to run the football and he does want to get the ball between the tackles, but they do it out of more spread sets than we do traditionally. Um, but that doesn't. But that's a misnomer. So just because you spread the field doesn't mean you can't be a between-the-tackles team. Some people, you know, it's like Auburn for years under Gus Malzahn. Yes, they spread the ball out and it looked crazy. But that was a power-running football team that wanted to run the ball down your throat, pulling guards and the like. And Florida is similar. They want to spread you out a little bit, um, get guys in space, but they also want to be able to run the football between the tackles. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with the quarterback position. I think that's going to have a lot to do with what their identity ultimately is going to be. But I think I do think there's something to what you said, that that's kind of what McElwain wants to be uh, if he has his choice. So what are your expectations for this offense overall? Do you see them making a dramatic step forward, or at least a, a, a decent step forward this year? I think they may improve because last year, the one, the most alarming statistic that I saw last year was that other than South Carolina, um, no one, no SEC team scored fewer touchdowns in Florida. Yeah, which is crazy. And South Carolina and was I, bad I for most of the year. Getting to more the middle of the pack. I'm not going to say they're going to make a jump. I think they can maybe be in the middle of the pack, but I don't see them being any better. Yeah, I see. I'm torn. It's, I think this Florida offense has the potential to be sneaky. Well, see, good. Here's one thing we're talking about. We're talking about the offense. You know, they have some skilled players here and there. They have some offensive line here, here and there. You know, we're talking about. Uh, you know, they'll have uh, uh, Marchez Ivy. But the big thing about him is he's moving from guard to tackle. That's a big change. I mean, we don't know how how he's going to be taking that. I mean, he's going to be their left their left tackle. I mean, that's going to be a big thing for him. There's a yeah. lot of question marks going into the season. And Jawan Taylor at right tackle is a he is a liability in passing situations. He's a he's a, he's a good run blocker. He's almost you can almost classify him as a mauler at right tackle as a and run see, blocker. I mean, he but kinda, he's, he's, he's better than Isaiah Wynn. He reminds me of Isaiah Wayne because he doesn't have that super long frame. Yeah, he doesn't have a super long frame. He's not super big. Um, I, I, you're right. He does remind me of Wynn and that their strength of their game is athleticism and stopping speed rushers, but they don't have the length. It's like they have the athleticism, but not, not necessarily the length to get their hands on the defenders first, which is all important when it comes to those edge battles between pass rushers and offensive tackles. So, yeah, their offensive line, they, they you know, this – 
looks to be, on paper, one of their better offensive lines in the past couple years. They have a lot of guys returning. Uh, Ivy was a big-time recruit. But, again, like just watching the past couple weeks, breaking down the tape, Jawan Taylor is a liability in pass rushing situations. He's gotten a terrible base. Now, he has a year to improve, sure. This whole, this, I'm sure he's improved over the offseason. But he doesn't bend the knees very well, doesn't have great ankle flexibility. He doesn't have. He just doesn't play with a good solid base at all. Doesn't get his hands on anybody. He's just. He was very raw last year in that position, and, and speed rushers just destroyed him. So that's a guy that ah, I don't know. In the run game, yeah, but outside of that, I just don't know. I mean, they should be all right there. Um, but my, I, I think this offense could be sneaky dangerous. I don't think they're going to be like you said. I think middle of the pack. Yeah, that makes sense. Going back uh, to your number there. They uh, had 35 touchdowns total last year. Uh, and to put that into perspective, Florida or South Carolina was the worst. They were 33 touchdowns on the year. Florida was next worst, 35. Um, Vanderbilt, as bad as Vanderbilt's offense was, actually had one more touchdown on the year than Florida. Alabama was tops in the SEC. I know they were in the National Championship game, so that's a tough comparison. But they had 74 touchdowns on the year. Even Tennessee had 63 touchdowns on the year to Florida's 35. So this was an offense that... It's just been bad for years. I mean, go back to some more numbers here. Yards per game last year, they were 109th nationally with 344 yards a game. They were 100th nationally in yards per play. Uh, They were 121st nationally in red zone scoring percentage, not just touchdown percentage, but overall scoring percentage. Uh, They were 51st nationally in third down conversions. They were 97th nationally in points per game, Uh, 78th nationally in points per play. This is just not a good offense. Uh, do you think they're going to be improved from those numbers this year? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I don't yeah. see how you take a step back is the real thing. Yeah, that's true. I think you mentioned a second ago, you mentioned some of their skill players. I think they have some really good skill players outside the quarterback position. Antonio Callaway, is a, he's as good of a receiver as there is in the SEC. Now, he might be in trouble to start the season. Who knows? But, I mean, last year, 54 catches, 721 yards um, through the air. Tyree Cleveland's guy was a true freshman last year, kind of burst on the scene for them late in the year. He only had 14 catches, but that was for 298 yards, which is 21 yards of catch. So he's an explosive threat. Uh, he's a bigger than Callaway, skinny like Callaway, but he's about 6'2", 6'2 and a half, whereas Callaway is about 5'11". Um, then you got a guy that I, you know, watching this offense is a guy that really stood out to me is Brandon Powell. He's an Isaiah McKenzie type slot threat. When they, they try to get the ball to him a lot in the Alabama game. Uh, just into the flasher, giving space, and hope, hope that he can make somebody miss. He had 45 catches for 387 yards last year. He kind of works in the middle of the field for them. DeAndre Goolsby is a tight end who got hurt towards the end of last year, but he's a talented, athletic, kind of a new age receiving type tight end. Um, not your, in, your traditional inline blocker. That's not what their offensive scheme relies on. But he had 38 catches for 342 yards last year. So they do have some weapons offensively. And if you look at Jordan Scarlett as a running back, We've talked about him a lot. I, I I still don't see him as a feature running back, but he's pretty good, right? He's solid. Yeah, he wasn't. He had, didn't get a thousand yards, but I mean, he was solid. Yeah, he's solid. And, and talking about their running backs, this is just I was just putting together some numbers here uh, because I, I was just reading. I was I don't know where I saw this. Maybe it was on Twitter, uh, some some social media site. I saw a Florida fan talking about how their uh, running back core was deeper and better than ours, and I mean they're. Fi- their fans, you know, then fans say crazy things and get a little too high on their teams. But I just wanted to look that up and just to find some – I mean, obviously, if you watch the teams play, you know that's not true. But I just wanted to find some hard statistical evidence to back up the claim that he was 
certifiably insane. And if you look at their top three running backs from last year, Jordan Scarlett, uh, LaMichael P. Ryan, brother of Samaji P. Ryan, the uh, former Oklahoma fan, and then Mark Thompson's a JUCO transfer. Um, if you look at them compared to our guys, Chubb, Michelle, our, our, so their top three compared to our top two guys in terms of career 100-yard rushing games. Well, Nick Chubb has 18 career 100-yard rushing games, 13 in a row to start off his career when he started his first game against Missouri as a starter. 13 in a row until he got hurt at Tennessee, just insane. Sonny Michelle has eight 100-yard rushing games in his career. Uh, so combined, we have just our top two backs combined have 26 total 100-yard rushing games in their career, whereas Jordan Scarlett, uh, Michael P. Ryan and Thompson combined have five 100 rushing yard games in their career. Now you might say, if you're a Florida fan, well, that's just because Chubb Michelle played more games. Okay, touche, fair point. But let's do this percentage. Let's do 100 yard rushing games um, compared to total games played. Chubb and Michelle combined for uh, 40 per 40 percent uh, of their of their total games played were 100-yard rushing games. So 40% of the games that they have played in have amounted to a 100-yard rushing game for one of the two guys, whereas uh, Scarlett, P. Ryan, and Thompson, in the games that they've played, combined out to 11% of the total games that they've played come out to a 100-yard rushing game. So the idea that they're better than our running backs, that's just laughable. It's comical. It's a joke. It's a freaking joke. But that being said, I do think Scarlett is an underrated back. I don't think he's a feature SEC back, a true feature back, like in the vein of a Nick Chubb, a Darius Geis, Leonard Fournette, those type guys. But he's a solid player who can do something. But you're right, he was under 1,000 yards last year. All right, let's talk about the matchup here. Again, preseason, no one's played it down yet in the 2017 season. But based on what we know right now, how do you think our defense, with 10 starters returning, is going to match up with this offense? Should we be able to hold them in check? Yeah, I think we're going to match up a lot better than we have. Yeah, I mean, over the past two games, um, I gave you the numbers of our offense against their defense, which are abysmal. But their offense past couple of years uh, has averaged 322 yards a game against our defense and 26 points a game. Uh, do you think we hold them under those numbers or right around there again this year? I think we hold them under these those numbers. I mean, this year they're just. Uh, I think we're going to be really improved on defense. I think that's going to be the biggest difference. Yeah, I think we're poised to take a huge step forward. We had all those young guys who play on the defensive line last year performed admirably, admirably for their age and their inexperience. But those guys are experienced now. We have, and we have and the big thing for me is we actually finally have quality depth. We recruited all these guys in this 2017 recruiting class, Sigma 17 class. That they're not going to be expected to start, maybe with the exception of D'Angelo Gibbs in, in the nickel position, or maybe Richard Lecount, one of those guys there. But what they're going to do is provide us quality depth. Now when the guy goes down, we're not relying on, I don't want to say a scrub, but someone who's a significant drop-off from the starter. You have guys who can come in there and play sniff it downs and play at a high level. So I think that's going to be a, a benefit for this team. I, I do think we're, we're going to be able to hold them. I, I don't know if we'll hold them much under that, but we'll hold them – I don't think they'll get more than that on us this year. I don't think they're going to have a big jump up this year. Um, I, for me, honestly, I don't think they have crazy size and length at wide receiver. Cleveland's probably their biggest wide receiver, a 6'2"-ish. Uh, and that's what killed us last year. Think about the big play like, against Missouri, against Ole Miss earlier. I know part of that was Jawan Briscoe, but we got torched. When we got hurt through the air, it's because the teams had receivers that were just bigger than us, right? Yeah. But they don't have that. I mean, Callaway's a really good player, but he kind of fits into what our DBs can do well in defending a guy like that. I think we can hold him relatively in check. And he hasn't really killed us uh, these past two years. 
Their offensive line, as you mentioned, I think they're going to be good, but they're not dominant. And our defensive line thinks to be improved this year. I think Trent's ready to take a step forward this year and be the, the dominant player that we've been hoping he could be for a while now. And like I said, the running backs are solid, but they don't scare you. So I think we match up pretty well with them. I think we can hold them in check. Uh, last question about the offense here. So we, we said that the defense is probably going to take a step back this year. At least I, I'm pretty, I feel pretty confident in saying that. I know some people like, <clears throat> I don't know, Greg McElroy, don't think that's going to happen. But just looking at the numbers there, I see how it's hard that they're not going to take a step back. Do you think their offense is going to take enough of a step forward to counteract the step back their defense looks, in my opinion, poised to take? I don't think so because I don't think they have the, the playmakers that they need all around on offense. <sighs> This is a tough question for me because throughout most of the offseason, that's kind of what I thought. I thought, well, whether defense is going to take a step back, or their offense is going to take a step forward. It's going to be a, a just going to be kind of a, just a, a reversal of fortunes. They were they're still going to be about the same level, but it's their offense is carrying a little bit more of the burden than their defense this year. But the more I look at this, and yes, I I do think I'm I'm a little bit more high, I'm a little higher on their skill players than you are. No, but, I'm high on the skill players, but I think you also got to look at the offensive line play. True, true. I, I'm not as high on the running backs taking a step forward. I don't see that there's not that much room for them, especially with Scarlett to take a step forward. Yeah, I think, I think those running backs are who they are. They've shown who they are. Yeah, the they're, offensive they're line decent. really is who they are for the most part. And I think the quarterback play may take somewhat of a step forward, but I don't know if it's enough to you know, truly counteract the piece. I mean, they lost some, NFL, some high NFL talent on that defense. I mean, they lost elite players. I mean – Studs. And that's the thing. I just, I, well, I think they're improving offensively. I don't think they're replacing elite with elite. Yeah, you're right. I think that's a very, that's a good way to say it, man. Kudos to you there. Um, I think their offense will be improved, but I don't think their offense is going to improve to an elite level, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good, great way to say it, man. Great way to say it. So, yeah, I'm with you there. All right, um, let's flip over really quickly here to the special teams. Does their special team, because we know how bad our special teams was last year and cost us some games. Uh, but, does this Florida special teams unit have the potential to be an X factor for them next year, and particularly in our matchup with them? Yeah, because uh, you know their offense, you don't know how it's going to be, but no matter what, Pinheiro is someone that can change a game. What is you get reportedly his kicked an eighty-one yard field goal before they signed him, right? Something yeah, like that. I don't believe. I, I, mean, I don't truly yeah. see that. But um, if if the guy can get eighty-one yard field goal, then why do you ever punt? I mean, seriously, yeah. why do you ever punt if you have confidence that you can make that? I saw a comment when I, was, when I was doing research for the show where Jim McElwain said, oh, no, that was a real thing. Well, okay, Jim, if it was a real thing, old donkey teeth, why don't you just line him up out there and kick the ball every single possession? Because there would be nowhere off limits if you can really kick any one-yard field goal. But regardless, he's a really good kicker. He's, he does have a great leg. Uh, I remember in Jacksonville last year, I was right there, basically right beside, oh, well, not in the end zone, but right there on the edge of the end zone, the corner end zone. And watching the guy kick, I mean, he, dude, just destroys the ball he kills it i mean he was 21 and 25 last year he didn't miss one against us which is pretty awesome though we lost that game obviously pretty badly the one sauce in that game is the florida fans um they chant eddie i think he's like the favorite player in their team every time he comes out in the field they chant eddie eddie and then so we had at least one moment of bliss where he missed that field goal and all the georgia fans in our section got to chant eddie which is a small solace there since we got killed um, but he's 84% of the year, three field goals of 50-plus yards. I think Antonio Callaway is another guy to watch out for. Uh, he's a really good receiver. He's also a good return hey, man. Hey, his, fresh, his freshman year was a lot better than this past yeah, he year. Yeah, that's true. He did have a step. He did, he did definitely take a step back this past year. Well, I think it's also the fact that teams stopped kicking it to him as much, which is, is it a weapon for, I mean, for teams. I mean, you, you saw it with Isaiah McKenzie. You're better off to kick it away from yeah. them or stick situations. Yeah, even if it's a shorter kick, just kick the ball away. Just don't even take the chance. Don't even take the chance. But you're right. 
Uh, they did kind of get smart to that. But in his career, he does have three returns for touchdowns, two punts, one kick return. Uh, he averaged 12 yards of punt return, which is for his career, which is okay, solid. But like you said, a lot of teams are trying to keep the ball away from him. So do you think their special teams unit looks better than ours coming into the season? Uh, on paper, yes. I mean, I think on paper without a doubt. I mean, we I know we're bringing some guys in, David Marvin from Wofford, uh, Cameron Nizalek from Columbia University in the so Ivy also League. also didn't talk about the fact that their punter can change the game also. True. That's an, yeah, good point. Townsend, I think is his name, right? Yeah, Johnny Talents yeah. had a 47.9 yard average. Yeah, he's yeah he's a hell of a punter. He can definitely flip field position, which is such an underrated special. part of the game, flipping field position like that. Especially when you have good like they've lived out. They had a good defense. You punt the ball, you flip the field, back up the opposing offense. Have your defense come out there, get the ball back, and you got good field position again. And hopefully their offense can score. That's kind of what was the name of the game for them last year. Um, I think I will say one thing just. To throw this out there, comparing our special teams to theirs. At least with Reggie Davis as a returning kicks this year. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, can't we have to get better returning kicks with him gone? Someone who won't catch the ball and walk out at the five yard line. Was it the five? That was like the two. It's inside, yeah. at least the five. Yeah. I mean, God, he's just uh, love you, Reggie. I mean, sorry, I, I, I hate to. Yeah, I mean, I hate to rag on our guys, but man, just an absolute non-entity back there returning kicks. So the, we we have to be improved there. At least somewhat. All right, guys. So that'll do it for us here uh, on the Sky of the Enemy series, Florida edition. Wrapping up. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope it didn't suck too much here. Uh, try to stay focused at least for a little while while we're doing the show, even though I am on vacation. Uh, so check back with us next next week. We will be having the return of our listener mailbag shows. It is going to be the end of the month. It's hard to believe next week will be the last week of this month. So send in any and all questions you have for us. Uh, you can send them in definitely to Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can email us podcast at gmail.com. And also you can hit us up on Facebook now, the Glory UGA Podcast Facebook page. So whatever's easiest for you. Any and all questions now that as the season progressing. Hopefully you guys have a lot. Uh, you guys always kind of blow us away with some of the great questions that you have. So I expect this to be no different. But anything you want us to talk about, want us to discuss, hit us up. Social media, anywhere there. And we will definitely get to every single question that we are sent. But uh, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs.